here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the is. alleys. He will whoop your ass. <laughs> I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all me. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You could have, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. It's a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court seat. side and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Race is down. Kreider heads for the net. Kreider's in. He scores! Oh, baby, what a goal that was! Miller on and Schneider. Down low, Malkin. And Rush with a tap in. Great pass from Malkin. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. What's that? Oh, Igor just made his 80th save on May the 4th. It just happened. Wow. What a night at Madison Square Garden. That montage you heard was courtesy of MSG Network. Larry Brooks will join us of the New York Post later in the show. Your hosts of Up in the Blue Seats, of course, are Rangers great Ron Duguay and Molly Walker, the queen of the post. Molly, the midnight escapade, almost a five-hour affair. Igor was 79 saves, the second most in a game in NHL history, and it's the longest game played at the Modern Garden, which opened in 1968, a 4-3 loss in game one of the Penguins. I'm sure there's lots to say, guys, huh? Yeah, which I mean, just a marathon of a game. I, who could have imagined that that would have been game one, basically playing almost two full games just to come out of it down one in the series. It was a real tough break for the Rangers, but you know, I I wanted to ask right off the bat, just Ron, what do you remember about playing in in more than one overtime games? And have you ever yourself played in a triple overtime game? Well, Molly, I have, and thanks for asking, uh, because as I'm watching the game last night, I can kind of see myself and feel what it's like, what those players are going through. And people ask me, what's it like? Because after you've played a whole game, you're, you know, your legs are given out, you're tired and you've had enough and you want the game to end. But it's the opposite. Yes, you want to be able to end the game and you want to win the game, but going to overtime, oh my goodness. The energy, the energy in the building, the anticipation, uh, the thrill of it's the one-on-one compete against your opponent because it ends up being uh, the last man standing because you're going into the the overtime knowing that you're opposed, the opposing team is tired. Everyone's tired. And so this is either going to bring the best out of you, you're going to use it as an excuse, or you're going to want to beat guys one-on-one and just show them you have a little more in the tank. Because it's always showing they have a little more in the tank. And yes, you are tired, but it's not as tired as you think. You may not be able to go the 50 seconds or the one minute that you normally do during the regular game, but you can still go hard because you're going four lines. You have time to rest. So you go on the ice, you go as hard as you can, and it's hard enough, hard enough. And so I loved it. I love the compete level behind just trying to beat down your opponent because now there's more things that are happening. Guys are making mistakes because they're tired. And so I loved it. And and it brings me back to 79. We went up against, I don't think we had an overtime game against the Islanders, but when we went against Montreal, we had two of them. 
and of course we lost both of them. But it's to me, it, it's the energy of the uh, the building. The fans are at the edge of their seat. Everyone's on pins and needles. No one wants to make a mistake. Players don't want to make a mistake. So you're being cautious. But on the other hand, you want to be the hero of the game. You want to be able to score that game. So I have a lot of fond memories of having played overtime because, you know, the outcome may not be what you want, as we saw last night. When I think about last night, I woke up this morning and I'm like, what? Disallow goal? I watched that replay about 10 times. And Molly, you were there and you watched the game live. You're at the building. So you probably didn't see all the replays. I did. In fact, I tapped into, I want to know what Steve Ellicott and Henrik Lundqvist had to say as goaltenders on that play. And I thought Steve broke it down nicely because you can you can kind of slow it down. And Steve said, look, it it was a hockey play. Essentially, Kako has the puck on his stick and he's going to the net. And so, and if you look at his feet, he's not going towards the goaltender. He's cutting across and then their push happens and the push happens often. And when I say it's a hockey player, you want to be able to see guys with the puck going to the net and cross over, cross in that crease area. As long as you have the puck, collisions happen and that's what happened last night a collision happened and you'll get dumped on top of the goaltender and so when you see the replay several times to me that was a goal the goal the the game should have ended there shouldn't have been triple overtime although triple overtime is a lot of fun but I woke up this morning thinking I had to tap into my Rod Gilbert that's why I'm wearing a Rod Gilbert t-shirt because Rod would say to me Ronnie Ronnie it's going to be okay it's going to be okay (laughs) that's cute cute, but I hate to I hate to rain on your parade there but and uh, give the other side of I guess the rule book. I mean, it it's a 50-50 call which which a lot of the Rangers and head coach Gerard Gallant talked about in the post game. And I feel like in that situation, a game deciding play like that, there was going to be 3 minutes left in the game at that point, I think, if the goal had stood, that call is always going to go the other way, especially in the playoffs. And if we're looking at the rule book and the and the terminology and the way that the rule is is worded as soon as Kako gets into the crease he's at fault and yes Dumoulin helped him along a little bit but he was headed that way all on his own and if you watch it obviously when he makes contact with him he draws DeSmith out of the goal which in turn opened up a wide open net for Filipino so it was directly correlated to Filipino having a wide open net. And I think that's, it was a relatively quick ruling. They didn't really look at it for that long from what I can remember. So I think it was, it was a relatively easy decision for them. And I, like I said, in a, in a game deciding situation like that, I think it's always going to go the other way, especially in the playoffs. But I think Ryan Strom said it best after the game at that point, looking back on it, it's hard to even reflect on it because it was so long ago at that point. But there are a lot of other things that I think that the Rangers should be harping on more, specifically the drop off from the first 20, 25 minutes to the rest of the game. It looked like two different teams took the ice from the first to the second period. And I think, in my opinion, that's where the Rangers lost the game because the team that took the ice in the first period that's a team that can make a deep, deep run in the postseason. That was the best period that I had seen them play all season, in my opinion. They were electric. Ryan Reeves was hitting everything in sight. Everyone was hitting every penguin in sight. Patrick Nemeth, Alexi Lafreniere. The physicality was just, you couldn't do anything about it. The penguins couldn't do anything. And then it just 
disappeared a little bit. It just went away. And the oomph that they had in their game, it just was a huge drop off. And I, I really think that that is what the Rangers should be focusing on more. The second period at one point, they were getting out outshot 17 to three. It just, you can't, they've, and this has happened to the Rangers throughout the regular season where they go on these stretches of just nothing. Basically, they just can't generate any sort of offense. And that's going to be killer in the postseason, especially against guys like Crosby and Latang and Malkin, who know that you can't have any sort of stretches like that in a playoff game. But I think the Rangers learned a lot in this game. The young kids got a hundred plus minutes of playoff experience. So I think that they'll be able to build off of this for game one. Well, let me back up uh, Molly and I'm in agreement with you with how you analyze the team play, but I want to back up and I got to make one comment on the uh, non-call uh, on the goal. <laughs> one more. <laughs> yeah. One more, because he here's my problem with Hedl. Uh, he's going to that. Yeah, he's going towards the goaltender. Yeah, he ends up in the crease. Here's the thing. He has the puck. He has the puck on the stick and he's trying to score. Are we going to eliminate players going to the net with the puck, with the puck trying to score? Collisions happen. And so we'll ask Larry about this because he's not real fond with officials. <laughs> and I'll be curious to what he has to say where, like you, it's a 50-50 call. But my argument is, as a Ford having played the game, I do not want to see players not going to the net, cutting in sharply with the puck. Now, if he didn't have the puck, that's a whole different thing. But he has the puck. He's trying to score. So it's a one-on-one, -on -one, him against the goaltender, and he gets banged into the goaltender. And that happen, happens often. So we'll leave it at that. We'll uh, we'll discuss it with Larry later. But one of the things that stood out to me, as you mentioned, is the kid line, and uh, which is good news because uh, we've talked this well, about this before. Teams that end up going deep in the playoffs have a third line that will make a difference in the game. Your top two lines will be your top two lines. Although the top two lines for the Rangers weren't that great. I mean, Panarin didn't have his best game. Cobb scored a goal, but other than that, I he just didn't do a whole lot. To me, he looked tired. Truba, who's on your top four, to me, here's a guy that I felt like he was going to be a physical presence in the game. He was not. He wasn't that visible. A guy that I thought was going to make a difference in the playoffs, Keandre Miller. I thought he had a very good game, but Truba didn't have a good game. So there's there's things that we can point to that I believe the Rangers could be better. First period looked really good. Puck control, controlling the pace of the game. Pittsburgh were sitting back. And sure enough, when you got a player like Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Latang, you know that they're going to make adjustments. And going into that second period, every time Crosby's line stepped on the ice, it was like, oh, no. Yeah, they took over. They're so dangerous. They're so dangerous. So that's the one thing that the Rangers are going to have to really pay attention to. Now, whether it's a checking line, a, a line that just is assigned to that line, on a constant basis through the whole series because they are so dangerous. They work really hard. They're talented. They can score. And every time they stepped on the ice, I said, Oh no, Oh my God. You know? And so, but a lot of, still a lot of good things. I like the kid line more than anything else. I like the kid line. I thought it was interesting that uh, toward the end of the game, it seemed like Gallant was matching up the Crosby line with the Reeves line with the Rangers fourth line. That was a matchup that he was doing on occasion. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I get it. I get the sentiment. I really do. But those guys are just too skilled to be going up 
against Ryan Reeves. So I'm very curious to see, and Larry actually asked Galanthus before game one, he was like, do you, you know, how do you approach, you know, game one? Are you quick to make decisions, you know, depending on how things go, like basically saying, are you going to, you know, make adjustments if things go south in the game one? Are you like, are you going to be, you know, hand quick on the trigger? to make adjustments. And of course, Glant didn't really divulge anything, but I'm curious to see if maybe we see Reeves come out, Hunt go in to make that fourth line, the smaller, quicker version that of the, that fourth line that the Rangers have, because it does give them a different look when they have a guy like Dryden Hunt on the fourth line instead of Ryan Reeves. So that's something to look out for, for sure. I, I feel like, I don't know. It's, it's really tough. It's tough to say. I'm not sure which way Galan is going to go because I know how they feel when they have Reeves in the lineup. And I do think that that adds a lot of value. And I think that it's important, but when it comes to matching up against Sidney Crosby and that line, I mean, you have to do something to contain it. You have, it's just, they're too dominant. They're too experienced. They just know what they're doing way too much to, to let that fly. So we'll see if Gallant ends up making quick adjustments. And I feel like that would be the first one that he makes. Well, one thing I want to talk about, one advantage that a team has is playing at home. And it's been five years since the Ranger fans have gotten a witness, a witness a playoff hockey game. Now, Molly, you were there last night, but also our producer, Jake, was there last night. So I'd like to hear from both of you. I'm at home watching it at home, the comfort of my home. And so I'm not feeling the building, but I get to watch it on television. I get to see small details, which I enjoy doing. So Molly, Jake, please chime in to what was like for you to be in that building in the playoff atmosphere. Yeah, well, they put the guy who's rarely there in the best seat in the house, right in the 50-yard line, as we call it in football. It's hockey, we call it center ice. I was right in front of Sam and Joe, so I heard the call, so it felt like I was watching on TV because I could hear Sam saying, Kakoda, you know, he's just with the save. And then met him in the bathroom. Great time to meet someone is after they wash their hands after pissing. But electric, you know, at the start, it was electric. They did really cool lighting on the ice with each player. Definitely high-tech lighting. Place was rocking, and then national anthem and opera singer was so good remind me of my elementary school opera days he was excellent and that really got the people hyped i felt and molly you could probably agree that by the third overtime the fans were restless you said edge of their seat i think they were in the back of their seat sober and tired you know they stopped selling alcohol after the second period to think there's a whole nother game that essentially happened without alcohol so by the end of the game i think the hangover's kicking in you know, they're thinking about their 8 a.m. Zoom meeting. They're thinking about their 9 a.m. podcast that we push back to 10 a.m. As the time went on, people got restless. But after each Igor save and you're like, could this guy get 100 saves tonight? Could this guy do something unbelievable? So I thought it was exciting. And I think game two on Thursday becomes that much more important and more important that the fans get into it. Absolutely. I think, you know, going to Shisterkin because I feel like we have to acknowledge what he was able to do last night new franchise record, 79 saves in a single playoff game in his first legitimate playoff game, might I add. I mean, was it going to go any other way? Probably not. Not for Shisterkin, not for the Rangers. That's just kind of been their storyline all season long. So it it wasn't surprising, but Shisterkin was excellent, obviously. But I wanted to ask a little bit ago, Ron, what is the hangover like 
after a game like that? Is it easier to move on from? Is it more difficult to move on Which from? Which hangover are we talking about, Molly? <laughs> the hangover from a triple OT loss, man. <laughs> because I've been a player, obviously, but I've also coached. I can tell you as a coach, it's, it's hard because you realize how hard it is to win hockey games. And game one is really important because you're creating momentum and you expect to win at home. You don't want to lose that home game. So as a coach, very difficult. As a player, it all depends on how you played. I can tell you Panarin was probably woke up today and not satisfied with his game because he's expected to score. He didn't have a good game. It's not like from a lack of trying. It just happens. So as a player, it all depends on how how you feel about yourself, how you play, because there's only so much you can control, although there is a disappointment of losing at home. Uh, and that's why you play uh, four out of seven, because the series is long. And if you have confidence in yourself and your teammates, you kind of just kind of you can brush it off fairly quick. But it's still difficult. What makes it a lot harder is that you've played an extra game and you went through a whole extra game and all this energy with getting nothing out of it. Now, if you lose during regular uh, time during that first game, then it's it's different. But when you go through those extra periods, that's what makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, I can't even I'm exhausted and I sat on my behind in the press box. So I can't even imagine playing a hundred plus minutes of that physical game. I mean, holy cow. <laughs> just... sure, sure. Wasn't that Lincoln tunnel traffic that has you. Uh, oh gosh. Up? Isn't it, isn't it always how that goes? You know, I feel like it happens to me every time when I'm just trying to get home. There's always, you know, how many times this happened to me It's coming back from like Mets games when the lower level of the bridge is closed and there's not a single freaking sign warning that it's closed. So you go to the lower level and then you have to veer off and and rope around and it adds like another 20 minutes to your ride because there's obviously traffic and everything. It's just brutal. Ron's like, I don't know about this. I take helicopters. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> this is peasant stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Mo Molly, we're talking uh, Shesterkin, we're talking goaltending. The one thing we're not mentioning is on the other side. I mean, there's a goaltender on the other side. And for Pittsburgh, to, to me, going into the series, I gave the Rangers advantage because of goaltending. But after last night, D. Smith was phenomenal, which we didn't expect. Then he gets hurt and the backup comes in. Third string goaltender comes in and he's fine. That's Louie. And so, but moving forward, I know D. Smith, they all thought, well, he's cramping, he's cramping. No, he actually had some sort of injury. Do you know anything more about uh, his injury, lower body injury going into the Thursday game? Because that plays a big part of players get hurt. And boy, I'm telling you, that changed the dynamic of everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think goaltending was one of the, you know, subcategories where the Rangers have, you know, on paper, a significant edge. And then we see DeSmith come out and he he really hung in there with Igor. He really did. He was just as good. And it took away that advantage. And it really, it ev it was an even game, you know, I mean, aside from the first period, but it, that taking away that advantage for the Rangers that, you know, they're going to, they're in trouble, you know, they're going to need to compensate on offense and they're going to need to compensate in other areas because that was supposed to be their serious edge in this series. And DeSmith was, was really, really strong, but yeah, he did suffer an injury and it was peculiar how it, cause he just kind of skated off. Like he said a couple words to the trainer. And at first it looked like it was an equipment thing, but then he got off the ice and he was kind of hobbling 
down the tunnel to the locker room. So I'm sure we'll hear hear something from Mike Sullivan today just about where he's at. But if Casey DeSmith is is out, that'll be that'll be huge for the Rangers, obviously. We don't want to critique the Rangers too much. Uh, but is there anything that stood out to you as far as any particular player that you felt like, you know what, he's just he just doesn't have his game tonight and you're expecting more? Was anything that stood out to you at all? You mentioned Panarin. Panarin was absolutely that. I think I looked at his shots on goal total in the third period and he had one. And that just can't, that can't, it can't happen for the Rangers. It, he's just so important to their offensive production. And, but on the other hand, the Penguins were, were covering him like white on rice. That is also what I noticed. And that's going to happen. And, you know, the same thing with their power play, even though Adam Fox did score on their, on the power play teams are playing the Rangers differently uh, when they're on the penalty kill. They are, they know what they can do. It's they have the same arsenal of offensive weapons and the way that they move the puck right. They need to have some more element of surprise. They need to do something a little bit different. They need to, you know, change it up a bit because teams have started to figure out that power play. And it really started to show at the end of the regular season, I think, how teams were playing them so differently uh, when they were on the power play. But yeah, Artemi Panarin, uh, unfortunately, was probably the person that I would say needs to have the biggest jump in his game from game one to game two. And I thought Mika had a few opportunities, guys, and that was Larry Brooks player that he thought would stand out. He had a couple of chances there to win this thing. Well, Larry Brooks is going to join us here, and I'll tell you later in the show of a compilation. I spoke to some fans before the game to try to get their feel of where this team could go in the playoffs. And Most of them were excited. Some had some uh, vulgar words to say, so we won't use those, but we'll play that later in the show. But coming up next, Larry Brooks of the New York Post will join us on Up in the Blue Seats. I needed oxygen getting up to the Chase Bridge to see her, so I needed some time to breathe getting up there. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, guys were walking around in their bathrobes, like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We- it's a two part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You know, last night, just before Triple OT started, Larry and I just kind of looked at each other and started laughing in pure exhaustion. So, Larry, welcome to the show <laughs> after after quite a night for the two of us. But it was a good time. Good time. I guess we have to start immediately. Just your thoughts on the overturned goal. What did you see on it? Did you agree with the call? I think it was a 50-50, like I guess Ryan Strom said and and, uh, Jared Gallant said. I didn't think they were going to allow that to be (laughs) a potential game-winning goal with four and a half minutes to go in the third period. It's interesting because my first thought flashed back to early in the year where there was a play where Kako 
steamed in on the right side and ran over Mackenzie Blackwood while scoring. And um, that goal was allowed, and the and the, the Rangers went on to beat the Devils in the shootout because they had to bring in Jonathan Bernier, their backup goalie, to play the shootout because Blackwood was injured. So, you know, I, I flash back to that. That was a more egregious violation that was not called. This one, I I, I believe that if the Penguins had had scored that kind of a goal, the you know the Garden would have gone ballistic, and the Rangers would have would have been infuriated if, if the goal had stood. But sometimes things happen with the Penguins that don't happen with the Rangers. Right. Yeah, that is absolutely uh, correct. I guess the next thing I would want to ask you about, which you wrote about in your column for today, just Gerard Gallant, his message to his team is to worry about themselves. That's been his mantra since day one of training camp. And we all know how much the players love that and love his coaching style. but. When Gallant says that he doesn't want his team to worry about Sidney Crosby and company, is that the way that they should be going? And and how did you see that unfold? Well, I do understand what he meant. And when I led today, you know, I led my column today with saying Gerard Gallant said they don't he didn't want the Rangers to focus on Crosby and the team followed his instructions. Uh, you know, I, I know I was, you know, playing around with words. But I, I think the message has to be, look, we have to stop this guy. We, you know, because he is the only player on this team who can beat us. Now, listen, Gensel is really good. Uh, he's really good. But, you know, he feeds off of Crosby. And when, once Sydney got going last night, it, he was a tour de force. I, honestly, they just, they just had no answers for him. He was always around the net. They, they always had the puck. And Zibanejad played hard last night. And Kreider played hard and... They uh, combined for just that beautiful shorthanded goal that that gave the Rangers the lead, uh, three to two again. I mean, they did. They 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 worked really hard, but they they rarely created uh, five on five. They didn't have the puck very much. They had a couple of chances. The Toronto had a chance. I didn't think he had a particularly impressive game last night. I think. I think he's going to have to elevate his game. I think, as a matter of fact, the last week or so of the regular season, he dropped off a bit, but it's hard to evaluate because, you know, they were sort of in a holding pattern the last week. But they just need to have the puck more often against Crosby. And, and, you know, when they don't, they they have to cut off his ice and cut off that line's ice far better than they did last night. I mean, the Penguins just had too much open ice after the first period and that's because the rangers just were not able on any type of consistent basis to get the puck in deep and the first 23 minutes were a clinic in how to play hockey and you know they just could not maintain that level that's understandable but you can't go from having an a game to a d game you know you can go from a to b or you know b minus and you you just can't you can't have that many uh, you can't have that much of a drop off in a in a playoff game. So, Larry, I want to go back to the um, the call or the non-call on the um, goal that was taken back. Uh, I guess I uh, I know I kind of understand the rule, but I, I don't necessarily like all the rule because the last thing I want is, is not to see players with the puck cut into the goaltender and try to score and get penalized for running into the goaltender while they have the puck. That's where I, I have an issue with uh, that situation. So what are your thoughts on that? Do we want to kind of have players 
not want to drive hard to the net with the puck. I'm not talking about players without the puck, but with the puck and scoring a goal and you end up on top of the goaltender. I don't see where the problem is there. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you tell me. I mean, I don't I don't really recall this happening until the last 10 or 15 years where guys would drive to the net and, and run over the goaltender as they were scoring. You know, maybe I am misremembering, but I don't remember this being a thing. I would rather see I, I, I do disagree with you. I mean, I, I, I understand your point. I think it's valid. And I understand there's, you know, there's another point of view. I want to protect the goalie. I, I honestly do. I think, you know, I, I think you need to protect the goalie. I think there are instances when if the goaltender is not in his crease, then he makes himself vulnerable. You still can't crush. You still can't crush him, but you can have contact with him. I would rather err on the side of caution. Listen, I, I think last night the play and who was it who cut behind Shesterkin into the crease and knocked him over? It was Rust. I think. Yeah, it was Rust. You see, I, I see. I think I, I want that to be called a penalty. I do. I, I mean, I, I want I want that kind of a play to be called a penalty. I, I don't think you want your goaltenders to be bumped. I don't think. I, I think it's kind of like in football, the NFL goes to extremes to protect its quarterbacks, but it, it's obvious why they you know their meal ticket of the league. And, you know, I, I think the NHL does better by erring, uh, again, erring on the side of caution and protecting goalies. But, you know, I, I get the fact that you want guys driving hard to the net. You've just got to be able to do it without creating contact, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it has something to do, Larry, with the, the amount of speed that the players are going now. Because you you look at guys like McDavid, like those guys are flying on the ice now and they're cutting hard to the net. And it's because it, defensemen are really good about blocking players out and to get around them is difficult. So I think guys are just trying new moves. I don't think the intent is to run over the goaltender. It's just speed. And then defenders are going to try to knock them down. And often when they're knocking them down, they're knocking them on top of the goaltender. Anyways, uh, the other thing I want to mention to you or talk to you about, and I know you've brought this up in the past, is that if, if a team is going to go deep in the playoffs, you have to have a third line, fourth line that will make a difference. And now we're seeing that with the kid line. Would you agree that they look really good last night? Yeah, I think they played very well. I, I think uh, there were a lot of, there were positives out of last night. And I, I think, uh, I think Adam Fox's play was one. I thought I thought Fox had his best game in a really long time. And I thought the fact that the kid line was as assertive as it was was a very very good sign for, you know, them as a as a team and for them as a unit, but for the three of them as individuals. I thought they all were assertive. Um, you know, Lafreniere obviously coming out of the gate with his two big hits. Um, you know, Heedle had the puck a lot. I think a couple of them made, you know, poor decisions. You know, I'm not sure what Phil was doing on the winning goal. There was a, you know, one glaring opportunity where, where Kako passed up a shot from, you know, from the slot to try and make a more perfect play. But that, you know, that's kind of infectious with the Rangers and it's a mentality. And I can ask you, Ronnie, about this. I was researching where Chris Kreider is on, on Ranger all-time lists, playoff lists. And I discovered, and, and I honestly had, had kind of not remembered this, that you are tied for third in in goals scoring and you know in Ranger playoff history and the only guys ahead of you are Gilbert and Messier so it's not too bad. This is not bad company there, Ronnie. No, but the way you played the game, I mean, you know, what did you bring to the game that was a little bit different in the playoffs? And 
Was it a point of you elevating your game because it was a big moment, a big, you know, a big stage for you? I mean, you know, can you remember your thought process in the playoffs? Well, Larry, thanks for asking. And I, I wasn't, I, I saw that stat the other day. I wasn't aware of it. <laughs> I really wasn't. And I, I just to brag on myself because, you know, when you look at the past, I have my disappointments. I really do as a player. I wish I could have done this and this and that and would have won the Stanley Cup in New York and played a long time. And so when I saw that, I said, wow, you know what? I kind of did something good, especially in the playoffs. So the answer to you is the level of excitement to me in the playoffs. I mean, it's one thing to wear a New York Ranger jersey and to play at Madison Square Garden. And the response you get from the Ranger fans is phenomenal. But it gets elevated in the playoffs. And I experienced that early on, which I really benefited from uh, playing the Islanders in 79, which would have been my second season. The, the thrill of playing at the Garden, playing against the Islanders, and the noise, and this walking around and being appreciated, my goodness, it just brought the best in me. And so what did I have in me to allow me to be able to do that? Well, I was blessed with size and speed. So if you have size and speed and you can use that to a benefit, like Kreider, like, you know, you see a size and speed, then you use it. And I just love the compete of the one-on-one, winning those battles. I love going against Trotty on a face-off. I love winning a face-off. I love going against Dennis Pompe in the corners and hitting him and getting hit. The excitement, I loved it. And that's why, that's the one thing I miss. So I think that's my answer. I love playing. Ron, hockey. you're glowing. Yeah. <laughs> Anything more? Ask me something. <laughs> yeah. Ron's like <laughs> translating himself back to the good old days. You know what, though? There, there is something else I, I did want to ask you, and it wasn't specific playoff related, but it's the mentality of guys passing up shots in order to make the one more pass. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if, if you can explain that to me, because it seems counter, counterintuitive to me. I understand that guys love making pretty plays and perfect plays and creative plays. But when you're in the slot and you have a chance to score a goal, I I don't quite grasp the mentality of eschewing that in order to try and make, you know, a better play, which almost inevitably turns out to be a worse play. And the Rangers have a serious problem with that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's not new with this group. I mean, it's, it's been this way for you for years here. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you can, if, if you can explain that. I'll give you what I think is a good answer. It's the way they're playing the game nowadays. It's a skill game. It's a give and go game. It's how they play. The game is so open now. It's like pawn hockey playing like a junior level, lower level hockey. They're playing pawn hockey. Essentially, is a lot of it is. It's not one on one. It's it's being creative with the puck, trying things. And when you play that way during the season, it's hard to get away from it. Larry, thanks so much for dropping by, and we'll chat again next week. All right, thanks, Molly. You know what they say: third time's the charm. All righty, guys, we got Molly with us for the close today because she loves us so much. That wraps up episode 87, the Donald Brashear edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake, for another good show. And we're in the playoffs, so uh, we're in playoff mode. And for Andrew Hart's uh, producing it, so you guys do a wonderful job. And uh, Molly, I know that the energy that it takes even for what you do to be able to do what you do. So we appreciate you doing the show and talking 
talking to the fans and giving us all these great insights. So share with us what your next day or so is going to look like going into the next game. Uh, well, the Rangers don't have practice today. They might need uh, a nap. I hope they don't have practice. Yeah, no practice. Gallant said that they were probably going to come in, stretch a little, do some maintenance stuff. Um, but we will speak to Gallant and select players later. So I'm hoping to get an update on Ryan Lindgren. Um, that's at the top of my list. So we will see what comes out of that. But yeah, playoffs are here and uh, it's a lot of fun. And this is the shirt that they gave out behind me. No quit in New York 22. Ron asked, what is the 22 for? It's the year. <laughs> I, I, Did he I, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, it's a, it, I guess it's, I guess you could have went with another number, but I guess it makes sense. Uh, for the year. That is so great. <laughs> Ron's like, forget that. I'm thinking player. Who's 22? No, Ron, you just made my whole day. It's really fine. Oh, Don't worry. incredible. Well, the shirts are cool and excited to see Rangers fans back for game two on Thursday. We'll close out the show with a fan compilation. If you saw me at the garden, I got some audio and let's cue it up with that. But until next time, thanks for listening to up in the blue seats, Ron Gay, Andrew Hartz, Molly Walker, Jake Brown here. We'll see you next week after game four. All right, we got Tommy from Brooklyn here. What's your prediction for the playoff run? What do the Rangers do? Can this team win a cup? The Rangers can absolutely win a cup. I think with a goalie like Shesterkin, you are in every series, if not favored in every series, especially in the playoffs. Shesterkin gets hot at the right time. We can beat anybody, possibly with, with some degree of ease. I don't want to go too far with it. The Rangers in five. Overall, at least the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't want to jinx it by saying any more than that. Brandon from Bayside from Queens. I love it. Brandon, I need your thoughts on the Rangers playoff run. I think they have the total depth now after the trade deadline. And with Igor and Net, I think anything's possible with this team. And I think we have the depth to make a long run and make a quest for the Stanley Cup. I think the Rangers win in six. And I think they end up making it to the Stanley Cup and taking it home. And we're having a parade by the guard. Mike from Hazlitt grew up in Hell's Kitchen. I need your thoughts on the Rangers playoff run and give me your predictions. The boys are ready. We're here. We're healthy. We're going to kick some ass. I say Rangers in five. Do they win a cup? I'm praying so. I'm not sure. But hell yeah, we get Mott back, we're going all the way. All right, we got Peter from Albany here. Peter, your predictions on the Rangers playoff run. How pumped are you? Can this team win the cup? I'm pumped. Let's go. Rangers in five, baby, over Pittsburgh, and then we're going to beat the hell out of Carolina. All right, we got another Albany member here, Brad. Brad, predictions, hype. Is this a cup contender? Absolutely. Got the Rangers in six. Anything's possible after that, but this team is a cup contender for sure. We got Anthony MSG from the Bronx. Anthony. I need your hype around the playoffs for the Rangers and give me your predictions. I'm super excited. No doubt the Rangers are going to win this series in five. All right, cup or no cup? 100% cup. Let's go, Rangers. All right, Afi and Astoria, your thoughts on the Rangers' playoff run? Can they go on a run and will they win the Listen, cup? Man, this team can always go on a run. This team has been running for years. We are set and jetting for a cup. This team can make it all the way to the cup. The heart, the passion, it is all there. Bring home the cup. This city deserves it. This city needs it. Bring home the cup, baby. Let's go, Rangers. This is a reality show waiting to happen. (laughs)